0: Welcome to Scape Talk. My name is Mr. Bistro, and with me, as always, is Screaming Truth. Hello, all. And welcome to our second podcast featuring our new format. Uh, we've got two special guests with us today. Uh, one of them returning from uh, having been a guest previously, we've got Hanorama with us. Hello, sir. Howdy ho. And our second guest is new to the podcast, uh, but a longtime member of Heroescapers.com and our previous incarnations. We have Ninth Doc. Hello, sir. Howdy. Glad you could be with us today. Uh, We did have uh, Rev Dyer scheduled with us uh, to be with us as well. Unfortunately, for technical reasons, we couldn't have him on as a guest, but we will get to hear a few words from him later on in the show. By technical reasons, we mean his computer is as old as he is. (laughs) That's right. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Sometimes if his foot stops working the pedal, everything slows down and it stops working. We've got a whole bunch of stuff lined up for our show today. Uh, We've got lots of HeroScape news to talk about. We've got uh, news in the gaming world in general. We've got a review of a fabulous board game, Last Night on Earth. All right, so guys, we've got you on the show. Let's talk about uh, HeroScape news. Uh, There's a whole bunch of new stuff coming out. We are getting closer to the, the big release, the long dry spell that we've been having that's lasted just about darn near forever. It's almost at an end, and we've been getting all sorts of juicy tidbits pop up on here Escapers. So I want to talk about some of the new units that we've seen on the site. Uh, I'll list one and just uh, throw out your thoughts. Tell me what you think. First up, the first one we saw was the Wolves of Badru. What do you guys think of those, uh, of that unit?
1: Uh, I like them. For the cost, um, was it was 80 points. I'm going off memory here. I think they're, uh, play two or three of those together. Roll the bones, go for the big kill. Is uh, truth told me offline goes hey you know if I can get the chance of what an eighty pointer hundred you know hundred season points taken out a hero in one swift swoop I'm I'm going for it. so yeah but it's nice to see some help for Mittens.
2: At first you'll probably think of playing these guys conservatively and pouncing them on low defense figures so that way you have less of a chance of destroying that that wolf uh, because you have a higher chance of rolling more. Uh, of destroying the figure that you're attacking. But for me, I found that these guys are a great sacrificial unit. Three attacks of five, there's not much that can stand up to that.
0: Yeah, they're nice. They're solid. They've got a fun attack. It's multi-level, too. They don't have to be on the same level as their opponents. I like that. All right, Zetacron. There was a lot of um, conjecture when he was first seeing what would Zetacron do. Uh, now we know. he's uh, a <laughs> Surprise, surprise, he's shooty. Uh, Han, what do you think of Zetacron?
1: You know, Zetacron was getting a lot of bad mouth on a bad press. Of all we've seen so far next to Kato, this guy rocks for 60 points. He rocks. Um,
2: that's all I can say about that.
0: He's a cheap hero who can shoot the heck out of stuff. He's great. He's a, he's a real bargain.
2: Sometimes simpler is better. I mean, he's a he's a powered-up Omnicron sniper, which, which is what you expect when you see a sculpt. I mean, every time you're boosting that attack with him, he starts off with two, you get height, he's at three. Uh, you get some sort of bonus, whether it be a Glyph or a Tailord or uh, some other things that are coming along into the Omnicron camp. I mean, you can you can be have the potential of six damage in one shot from a range of eight. Yeah, he's going to be gr- great against heroes. Well, the
3: defensive four is nothing to sneeze at either. He, with a range of eight, he'll be able to shoot
0: first at a lot of other ranged common units. Uh, if you're going up against a melee army, like uh even heavy defense melee forces like Sentinels of Jandar, the minions, you could really make the other player sweat before they even get close to getting into hand to hand combat with you. Alright, let's talk about Sir Dupuy. Um aside from having a really silly name that doesn't make any sense. So
1: Yeah, what sort of <laughs> na- what sort of name is that? You know what? I have to say I think it's the lamest name figure. <laughs>
0: You know what it probably is? It's probably like a relative of, you know, uh, Craig Van Ness's. He felt sorry for him, <laughs> threw their like name in think, it. It's, I
2: like to think a retarded cousin. Uh,
0: that's right. <laughs> there we go. That's exactly what it is.
2: The short. Oh
3: special. my gosh. You guys are hard. <laughs> a
0: person small in stature that has been blown up into a big figure, perhaps. <laughs> All right. So, what do you guys think of Sir Dupuy? He's pretty awesome. You got to admit.
3: He does have a lot going for him.
2: Sue looks out for himself. <laughs> you know, look at those specials. They're all they're all self-interest. He doesn't boost anything else. He uses everybody else to boost himself. Which is kind of the opposite of what we're used to seeing. It's kind of funny. Yeah. A real egomaniac. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, we're we're taking pot shots at Chris Dupuy, who used to do customer service for Hasbro. And uh Sir Dupree is, of course, named after him. A- and we all know him. He's a friend of all ours. So we do it all in, in jest.
0: Mostly, yes. All right, we obviously can't talk about Sir Dupree <laughs> in any objective way. So let's move on. Let's talk about Kato. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Kato, the final step to the samurai army.
1: I've got to take this first. All right,
0: Han. There was so much bad-mouthing
1: right off the bat. And cato has been one of those out where we've known the stats since, what, Gen Con of last year? So August. And anybody and their brother could have proxy play-tested this guy. I am hoping this is a sign of things to come for every general. Kato ties together the themed army. For 200 points, what this guy does tying in and I'm looking at the card here. I'm reading again. You know, a samurai hero, a samurai squad, or this is the killer part, moving up to two of your squads in one turn. And it's not its not a range. It's a line of sight. If you get Kato on top of a, a hill and he sees everybody in the battlefield, he can be 30 spaces away and untouchable and still moving... <clears throat> You know, two fi- two squads every turn. And I'm just hoping this is the first of many what I call themed army, you know, keystone, linchpin figures that we see coming out. I'm hoping we see one for Utgar, I'm hoping we see one you know, for orcs, for, for knights, whatever the theme might be. You know, kind of taking that, you know, level of play up to, you know, that 700, 800-point army and just dupe it out.
0: Yeah. He rocks. And, you know, I've heard people say he's boring. But the thing is, we've got lots of heroes already who can wade into a battle and kick the crap out of people. This is a new type of hero. This is the mastermind who can sit in the background and make everyone else do stuff. And it's a great type of new hero. I absolutely love it. I don't find him boring at all.
2: You're getting the flexibility out of him. Uh, You know, you can take a turn with a samurai squad or a samurai hero. But his strength is that those Ashigaru, I mean, those are the mass of the Asian troops. Uh, each one of them has four, squat, four members in the squad, and you can take a turn with the Ashigaru Yari and the Ashigaru Harbacus in one turn. So you're talking about moving and attacking with eight figures in a single turn, and that's, that's where that 200-point price tag comes from.
0: The other card that just came out, uh, as of this recording, is one of the elf uh, wizards, Arkmer. Uh, he's an interesting fellow. Let's talk about him. Uh, Truth, start us off.
2: Arkmir is one of multiple elf wizards that are being released in Wave 8. And all of these wizards uh, are going to work together. All these wizards have powers that either uh, involve other elves being next to you or other elven wizards being next to you. So they, they very much work as a team. And that's the whole theme behind them is they can borrow and lend power to each other. So when you start off with your elf wizard team, uh, and there's an elf wizard in there that helps the mobility of moving multiple heroes so that way you can get them all next to each other, and there's an elf that helps mobility overall getting across the field quicker. And so what, what you're doing is you're trying to maneuver. It's all about maneuvering them just right so that way you're getting the maximum number of attacks in and the maximum number of power behind those attacks. And you start off very powerful. And then, as the elves start to bite the dust, as as your opponents start taking you down, you become weaker, quicker. So, so they're very much a first strike. Get out there, cause a ton of damage, and then try to hang on and clean up. and And they're a lot of fun. They're they're a synergy unlike we've ever seen before. What we're trying to do is is do more with the synergy than just bonding. Unique ways of making these units uh, work together in, and and be
0: fun as armies. I have to say, normally when it comes to miniature games, or fantasy miniature games, I'm usually not at all interested in the elven army. It doesn't excite me. Uh, With Heroescape right now, though, I'm really interested because these guys are working in a way that I've just never seen before. The theme, you've got... The usual archers, but you've got the unusual warriors of Ashra, who are kind of a, a cool Amazonian figures, and then you've just got this huge glut of elven wizards, and they each do a new cool thing. Uh, Sonlin, one of my favorite characters ever. Uh, I even love uh, the the latest one, Cantella um, Gwyn, and so this guy uh, Arkmer just seems to be adding to the the coolness. I can't wait to put him and. Uh, can tell a Gwyn together along with a, a few uh, archers and see what they do. It's going to be cool.
2: Like I said, each army has a different synergy. You know, you have the Samurais who have this daimyo Lord that controls the battlefield. And, and here you have this order of elven wizards that work together and lend power to each other and lend power and gain power from other nearby elves. And, and that's how the battlefield is controlled. So, uh, like I said, we're trying to do some unique things with
0: synergy. In a way, it's almost a shame that uh, Savaris even exists because I love the fact that every other elven hero is a wizard. I really like that fact. He's sort of uh, the oddball out there, obviously, before.
2: Well, Sanlin's an Archmage. And that was specifically because he was. The, the Elf Wizard team was getting a little too powerful with him until. <laughs> so.
0: I see. A little few too many of them, huh?
2: So, so we made him an Archmage. <laughs> I see. That's called a workaround, my friend. <laughs> That's a huge <laughs> distinction.
0: <laughs> So let's move on to gaming news. Let's uh, step back and look at the gaming world in general and talk about what's going on out there. Uh, A few different things have been happening, a few new releases. In fact, we're gearing up towards summer and towards Gen Con, so we should be seeing more and more interesting stuff. Uh, Recently we had a a release uh, for The Growing Hunger. It is a follow-up an expansion set to the popular zombie game Last Night on Earth, which we're going to be talking about a little bit more here on the show. Um, So that's already been selling like hotcakes. A lot of the Internet's online dealers have been having troubles keeping that in stock. It's selling like crazy. Uh, Hopefully we'll have more to talk about that in the future. Uh, Let's talk about Fantasy Flight board games. Um, Big group. Uh, We've talked about them... uh, on our last episode, talked about Descent, Road to Legend. But that has been a huge smash hit. Uh, in fact, some of our folks in Texas have even had a chance to play that. Ninth Doc, I think you've been in on that action?
3: Yes, I have. We uh, try to get together uh, once a month. Our regulars are Mark Wars, uh, DMG or Drink More Guinness, Infinity Max, and Grunge Bob is uh, playing our overlord. And he's, he's pretty mean. He's not pleasant to play with.
2: I can picture Grunge Bob laughing maniacally as he crushes yes, he, the heroes. he does
3: do that. And then I run, I'm run. i playing Talia using leadership, which he cringes over every time she shows up. And she just recently got a new weapon that has a, a Pierce two on armor. So he's not looking forward to our next session, which I think is going to be in about two weeks.
2: I find that in Descent that you you tend to have some heroes that are just, so much more powerful than the other heroes I'm not sure how that happens if it's the right combination of armor if it's just the right hero that you've chosen but when we played we we, t- we tend to have a hero that's kind of the group leader
3: yeah she's ended up taking the the front she did she did die on me once uh, but she she's always the one that is standing out there in the front to take all the damage um, we the way we selected our characters was you had to we selected them, at, I think, semi-at-random. It's been a couple of months ago now. but So we didn't actually get to pick and choose, I want this one, I want this one. So there's a mix in our group of really good characters and really bad characters.
0: <laughs> so what do you think of the new format, the, the new shorter dungeons? Do you
3: like that? Yes. Um, I only got to play about half of an ori- the the original release of, of uh, Descent when it first came out. It was so incredibly long and drawn out. I loved it, but it just was too long and the way we're doing it now we you know we basically play for about six hours or so until we get you know we just cannot go anymore because we have to drive home and we're gonna you know fall asleep at the wheel, but we'll play and play and then we can just pack it all up nice and neat in the little uh, tuck boxes that come with it and pick it up where we left off the next time.
0: Uh, Fantasy Flight Games has also announced they're working on a board game that's uh, an adaptation of the new Battlestar Galactica series. Uh, Han, I heard you had a little uh, some tidbits you could share with us there.
1: Yeah, um, back in April, Fantasy Flight—I guess they do this now—in the spring and the fall, they do what they call their traveling road show. and unfortunately, they limit it to the Midwest. Fantasy Flight Games is located outside of St. Paul, Minnesota. And so they load a couple guys up in the van and they drive south and they hit Memphis, they hit Cincinnati, they hit Indianapolis. And this time around, their main focus was mostly AT-43 and confrontation. But while we were playing AT-43, we kind of talk went kind of towards Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica, it is a big, 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 big deal there at Fantasy Flight. If... You might be assigned to Kingdom Hearts or Tide of Iron, but in your free time, if you've got free time, guess what you're doing there at work? You're playtesting and tweaking Battlestar Galactica. There's kind of, not under the gun or timetable, but they want to have this out at Gen Con in time for the end of... I guess, the first intermission of Season 4. Season 4 of Battlestar Galactica is the last season. They're wrapping everything up this year. They're showing the first 10 episodes, taking a six-month break, and they're coming back with the last 12. They want to have this game out in front of the public while the series is still live and fresh on TV. They are in daily contact with Ron Moore, who's the executive producer and creator of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, they come up with ideas, they throw it up by Ron, Ron says, yeah, I like this, no, I don't like this, yeah, that sounds great, and they move on. So, it's going to be huge. I mean, just from what, I mean, the guys couldn't go into details, but they're saying there is so much time, so much effort. It's going to be one of those Fantasy Flight games where if they say it's going to be released September 1st, I think it really will actually meet the release date of September 1st. Fantasy Flight, once again, one of my favorite game companies. They are notoriously slow for actually meeting their release dates. Uh, Case in point, Mutant Chronicles was supposed to be out in February. It's now coming out June the 1st. Tannhauser was supposed to come out April last year. It didn't debut till after Gen Con.
3: Actually, Mutant Chronicles was supposed to come out like three years ago. It's been in the pipe for a long time.
1: Well, no, I'm talking the new, new, new revised release date. I'm sorry. They're excited. The guys couldn't talk in depth, but I mean their eyes lit up when they were just talking about how cool the game is really gonna be. So from what the few tidbits it's gonna be a lot of very detailed miniatures, which is cool. I can only guess, you know, is that figures, is that, you know, detailed, you know, you know, Galactica, base ships, raiders, who knows? But it sounds like it's gonna be a massive Gameplay board almost, I'm guessing, along Twilight period.
0: So do we think... I mean, this is a big name, obviously, Battlestar Galactica. But do you think it'll be able to appeal past the just the television fans? I mean, and this is open to anyone, just uh, pure conjecture. Well, the
2: television fans, I believe, is a, uh, is a pretty sturdy fan base there. Uh, I, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to do another uh, success. Like, they've had a lot of success with World of Warcraft, the Bora game because they have that, because they had that massive fan base that they could draw from. And I think that, I think they'll have the same success here. Whereas I'm not a fan of world of Warcraft and we could go into reasons, but I won't. Uh, <laughs> I, I, from what I've seen, I've seen a video with one of the, um, one of the designers or I don't know. I'm not sure if he was a designer or just an employee that was helping play test. Uh, he was on there uh, talking about the game, and he was super excited about it, and a big Battlestar Galactica fan. And he was talking about, you know, how the people working on the game are huge Battlestar Galactica fans, and how it is his favorite game to ever come down the pipes from Fantasy Flight. And they wasn't just blowing smoke about what's new; that he really genuinely loved it. And from what I heard, it's going to be more of a Shadows of Camelot kind of thing, where players are cooperative, but there is a um, there is a, a spy of sorts among them. In this case, it's a Cylon that. It's a skin job. It starts off with like one traitor, and then later in the game, you all randomly draw cards, and you might have been a sleeper agent, and you now you're a Cylon, and you just found out, um, and you you got to keep that hidden from everybody else. But now you have to appear as if you're working towards the goal, uh, the general goal, which is find Earth, but at the same time, you're trying to sabotage them without them knowing, it, because if they Figure out that you're a Cylon, they can lock you up in the brig and and some things like that. So it kind of plays. They said it's a very character based game, uh, as opposed to like Raiders fighting, from what I understand, which was just a, a small video on the internet.
0: But you know, the one thing I am curious about, though, you know, like when you talk about them blending, you know, taking Warhammer, making a board. Uh, it's not Warhammer, sorry, um, Warcraft, making a board game out of it. Um, you, that's a, those. You know, those are two different games. Uh, it's still, they're appealing to gamers in general. With board games and Battlestar Galactica, we've basically got two niche groups that may not. We're all just live.
2: geeks, and they—they. They <laughs> It's all just the geek fan base.
0: Well, yeah, but it's also two different types of geeks. So I'm wondering if they'll be able to hit the same kind of numbers with this game as they were able to with their lackluster War, uh, Warcraft uh, game.
2: Call me naive, but I have faith in the people who are say, who are working on the game now that are super proud of it, because you can just see it in them, that they're really happy with what's going on. Uh, so, I, you know, if you got a, if you got a killer game, well, then you're getting all the gamers who like good games, and then you're getting you're advertising this to Battlestar Galactica fans, I believe. Uh, Han, didn't you, didn't you say something to me uh, offline about, uh, about them advertising on the show?
1: Yeah, they were hoping to tie in here towards, and this is going off a tangent, but the, the last three episodes of this season are going to be a, a real mini-arc, all tied in, leading up to a cliffhanger. And they want to throw out advertising about the game that's
2: a huge viewership that's going to see about this and most hobby board games don't get that kind of advertisement i mean you're talking about prime time uh popular show advertisement spot that's huge for a hobby game
4: yeah and
0: i i just recently heard that fantasy flight was planning on doing television advertisements in general and that alone was pretty shocking news so that is kind of exciting
2: and hopefully they're successful for them because if they're lucrative, then then they can run more. And as they run more, more and more people get turned on to hobby gaming, which is only good for, which is only good for the hobby because the more money being poured into it, the more, uh, the more products that can that people can invest in, and and therefore more variety for us.
1: Well, you know, I'm not surprised about the uh, the advertising here during the show. I mean. Fancy Flight, his partner, and I forget who's producing this in Hollywood, but there is a Mutant Chronicles movie that is supposedly coming out still yet this year that is tied into the theme of the board game. And like John, John Malkovich is in how it. How high
2: budget would you guess this
0: movie is? Is this like Dungeons & Dragons movie? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you
1: know what? I have no clue. All I know is Malkovich is in it. Ron Perlman is in it. <laughs> I mean, they've got some big names, you know, Hollywood, Hollywood fantasy sci-fi stars in this movie. So I don't know whether it's going to be a good movie or whether it's going to be a an hour and a half commercial for it.
2: Note the disclaimer that it was sci-fi stars, not yeah. regular stars, but <laughs> that means, sci-fi that stars. That means
0: there's a pretty good chance we will have Malcolm McDowell in it. <laughs> You know, talking about, uh, talking about Mutant Chronicles, um, and, you know, Doc brought the fact that it's been delayed for three years, Uh, let's just talk a little bit about that miniature game, you know, they have, they certainly do have some nice miniature games, they do the Rackham, uh, they distribute Rackham's Confrontation, AT43 but uh Mutant Chronicles has been a little controversial it's a fantastic license the old games uh the old miniature game and the old board game are hugely popular people still talk about them but uh it in their
1: 300 bucks on the eBay forum
0: yeah you're going to pay big for it uh, but with this particular new miniature game, Fantasy Flight has decided to make the models, I believe it's 54mm, is that right, 54? It is a 54mm, yep.
2: Which means they don't
0: match any of the other models <laughs> that you've ever owned. Ever. <laughs> I mean, you've got, maybe they, they they might be bigger than some action figures you've got. I mean, these things are big. Uh, and kind of, it's, it's proved to be controversial. Uh, what do you guys think of this? Ninth Doc, you are a huge miniature collector. You've got a collection that would put... Most people to shame. What do you think?
3: Uh, I I don't know what to think. I mean, obviously, the monsters are going to be good because they're scalable with anything. But, you know, there's some really nice-looking human figures in there that are going to be absolutely useless for other games. And I think this is something that that miniature companies, especially those that focus so much on blind purchase (coughs) whiz kids, (coughs) um, if they just sell their product instead of trying to make it gimmicky or you know something that people can't use there are plenty of other people that play other games that would buy their product and I, I just i don't know i'm gonna have to see what they look like i'm not really impressed with the photographs i've seen of the figures uh that have gone into production that have been floating around on the internet and the other thing that's kind of scary to me about it is they're making their their blind purchase boosters at like 1999 a pop yeah. wow and yeah. how many figures you know, how many was- figures it's like four figures i, I think I don't even know. I haven't looked that far into. There's it. a lot
2: of cards, though. The way they're doing it is, when you buy the starter set, you get every card for every figure that exists in the game for that for that wave. So you have the card. So when you buy an expansion, you're just getting miniatures because you already
3: have that card. But are there four in the pack for twenty bucks? Three. There's okay. Three figures in the pack.
2: There's three figures three. for twenty dollars. You're wow. kidding. Well,
1: no. Uh, it, it, Here's the I, the, at Gen Con last year, they had a display, and part of the, their reasoning for going with the 54mm you know, standard was, hey, look, we're going to offer th- – these are pre-painted miniatures. What they showed at Gen Con last year, they were they were beautiful. Don't they, they were wrong? gorgeous. They were, I
2: went and looked online. I knew we were going to be talking about this, so I went and looked at the pictures from Gen Con and from Gamma or whatever, and they have these awesomely painted miniatures, and they claim that, hey, we're doing 54mm scale – because we want to have awesome paint jobs on these. And the bigger they are, the better paint job you can do. But now that they've gone in production, uh, like like Doc said, there's some photos floating around of the actual production. They, they look work. nothing like oh, the, the demo previews.
3: Absolutely terrible. And the, I didn't realize it was only three figures in a booster. Historically, whenever uh, Wizards of the Coast has released the Star Wars, the ones that sell the least are the large figures that are $20, a booster. And there's... I think seven figures in there, six small ones and a big one, and here we're expected to spend twenty dollars for three figures. Uh, that's that just seems like a bad idea to me. It's three random figures. You're spending all that money only to yep. possibly get figures that you can't use or don't want
2: that you already have. You could you could end up with
3: figures you already have. I, I don't mind spending ten dollars on a blind booster and getting you know five figures or so. That, that doesn't seem like that big of a heartbreak to me, but when you got me sinking $20 into a booster and it's a bunch of crap that I don't need, I got a problem with that. And, you know, it's, it's not, it becomes not fun. It makes me feel like I've been taken advantage of by the game company. Well, and let's also
0: consider the fact that this is a game that not only do you have to have all these huge miniatures, you're going to have to completely redo your entire terrain collection because everything you've got up to now won't work. So, and,
3: or you have to play on their crappy little paper right. <laughs> Or is, Terrain is one thing. You haven't even talked about it. Where are we going to store all these dadgum things? Yeah. I mean, storage is at a premium for me as it is because I buy every miniature known to man. But, uh, oh my gosh, with them being that big, it's just that just seems like a, a huge storage issue.
2: It hurts portability. It hurts compatibility. Like you said, the paint jobs aren't what they were expected to be. They have this fantastic license that, Everybody was excited about and it just doesn't look like they're delivering. And that's a rare miss for Fantasy Flight Games.
0: Well, no, it's a little worrying, too, because, you know, this isn't just a miss. This is years and years of money that they have sunk into this game. If the gaming community writes this game off and walks away from it, it's not just a loss. It's a huge loss. This is, like, years and years of development, years of money that have sunk into it. And this could be um, – it, it may seem like a glitch to us – in the gaming world, but this could end up being said, maybe that really they're trying to make them. up
2: for those years where the development with this, with this cost. But the only reason that the idea behind blind boosters even exists is to get more money out of, out of your hardcore fans that, that keep buying these up because they want to try to collect everything. And all right. You know, I'm there's a subset of people that are okay with that. Uh, I'm not, but <laughs> there are, there are people who are okay with that and buy blind boosters but here you if you put a price tag of $20 on these things, kids aren't even going to start to buy them. They're not even they're not going to get hooked on your game and want to buy more because they're going to see that $20 price tag and say, "Hmm, after 3 boosters, I've spent 60 bucks." Well, basically they're, they're not going to go for it.
3: They're telling you that it's going to cost you $7 for a common figure. That's that's outrageous. I mean, I'm the last person in the world to talk about spending money on miniatures because I've I have purchased some of the the chase figures for Hero and and they're, they're not cheap. But um, $7 for a common figure, uh, that's that's just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, if you do blind purchase, you have to look at Wizards of the Coast. You have to look at D&D because they really know what they're doing. They've got a product that has many different uses. It, it can be used for different games. They it, it can be used generically. <clears throat> uh, these are miniatures that even when you get the multiples, the commons, they're still useful. So these are miniatures that you don't mind getting more and more of. Um, they really know what they're doing with the Dungeons and Dragons line. I think when people do collectible miniature games or blind purchase, they need to look at games like that. Dreamblade, <coughs> Dreamblade.
3: <laughs> oh, forget about Dreamblade. Uh, no, Bistro's right. Star Wars, also by Wizards of the Coast. Can't stand the game, but I love the miniatures, and whenever you get multiples of those miniatures, okay, so I have 100 Stormtroopers. That looks really cool on the field. I'm good with having 100 Stormtroopers. I could, you know, that's that's been for years was my big complaint with Wizards of the Coast. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, with WizKids. I, I don't need multiples of Spider-Man.
1: But that's because they had to live within the Star Wars universe. DreamBlade failed because the collectability or people getting... You know, thirty copies of a figure
2: they already had. Maybe to an extent, but I believe that Dreamblade failed because of its theme. I
0: agree. I agree. It's that the theme was crap.
2: <laughs> well, Lovecraftian horror figures without the Lovecraft licensing just doesn't. I don't think it works. For nobody wants know, a blob with eighteen eyeballs. Well, <laughs> that's stupid.
3: The other reason, I my opinion, why Dreamblade failed was. What, what did they give us? Did they give us a game that we love to play, or did they give us a game tempting us with multiple thousands of dollars for tournaments? I mean, to me, a game is going to survive on on your love of it, not you shoving money at me. You just Basically, they instituted um, a, a, another means to gamble. Well, and, they,
2: they were trying oh, to do the oh, magic oh, thing, because it worked for magic.
3: Uh, true, but magic didn't
0: start that way.
1: But, Doc, doc, you were there in Gen Con the very first year it came out, yep. and the tourney, and the hype. Yep. And, I mean... They had this tourney where my nephew, who, who goes to Gen Con, some of you guys might, he played in it. And he got down to like one of the f- the final three rounds and walked away with, you know, a buttload full of figures and, you know, free stuff. And the fan base was there. And I, I for the life of me, I don't know what they did to screw up.
3: Well, they and- did. The figure started dropping off in quality.
2: Everybody that I talked to liked the game mechanics.
3: Yeah, I've heard. I've heard the same thing. Given
2: that's not many. Did you play it, Truth? I didn't get a chance to play it, but I heard it was good.
3: I played it as a demo before it came out, and uh, you know, I guess if you're really into the tourney scene, it's it's it was a good venue for that. It bored me. Uh, you know, I'm used to something like HeroScape where it's it's different every time you play it. You're on a flat board. It's, it's like playing chess. And I don't mind playing chess, but it just really didn't do anything for me.
2: We're really spoiled with HeroScape. Like, we get HeroScape and we have these epic landscapes and we're, you yeah. know. And now anymore it's like, what, you want to give me a paper map? Yep. Forget you. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah,
3: we'll That's it, exactly and right. And that's the thing
0: is you got this bland-looking chess game coupled with the fact that the theme is this generic whatever. I mean, it, it just, it, it's shapeless Shapeless meaningless i don't know i I, I had no interest in Dreamblade, so I think it was just bad bad yeah, any bad shorts the, it there.
2: didn't catch you at the get go if you weren't into the tournament scene um, or weren't like a i not don't, i don't know i i don't know who who it was supposed to attract um I just think they I just really think they missed with the theme it,
0: it, yeah it's just too abstract i mean really the theme the right. theme doesn't mean anything and the even the figure sculpts don't really mean anything either so
2: I really think that if they would have taken because uh, I heard it had a good mechanic, maybe if they would have taken that mechanic and applied it to a sci-fi theme or a, a post-apocalyptic theme or a fantasy theme they were I, I believe they were trying to be different which is great. We don't want to put uh, we don't want to put creativity inside a box It's the last thing we want to do because uh, then we end up with a bunch of copycat uh, on original stuff but those themes are those themes are time tested and, and they, they have their fans that, that enjoy them. Uh, so, you know, you can mix those genres and, and you can create new genres and all that, but y- you can't go so extreme that nobody's out there with you. Yeah.
0: Oh, well.
1: Okay. Time uh, out. <laughs> Hour two brought to you by Corona. <laughs> Corona, the beer of Cinco de Mayo two days after the fact. <laughs> when you're celebrating Cinco de Mayo, grab yourself a Corona in line while your Newcastle is chilling in the icebox.
3: Somebody explain to him it's May 8th and not May 7th. (laughs) Bistro, back to you.
0: All right, you drunk bastard. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, We'd now like to go to a section uh, that we call, What Are You Playing? We're just going to go around the table here and ask each of our guests uh, what they're doing with their, what's going on in their gaming scene right now. So, uh, Hanorama, start us off. What are you playing?
1: Oh, what am I playing? Um... Besides Risk Black Ops, which I've had the pleasure of getting an advanced copy on and uh, spreading the love of new Risk, I got a package from uh, Thought Hammer last weekend. And depending on the game crew that I, I play with here in indie, there are folks who they are into the, the escape scene, but they won't play this, or they'll play uh, Euro Trash, but they'll play Ameritrash. So I, I buy a lot of, uh, or tend to buy a lot of two player games. And this has come recommended recommend to me, but I got a copy of Hive. And oh. Hive is billed as, quote, nature's chess. And it's very easy to pick up. Uh, my wife and I spent some time last weekend playing it. It is, each player gets 11 tiles. Uh, the black and white is the nature theme. Okay.
2: The... Hold on, just a second. I just have to interject one thing. Only Europeans only the Europeans, could think that nature's chess is a good sell line. <laughs> <laughs> nature's chess. <laughs> Boy, I'm excited now. <laughs> <laughs> Go
0: ahead. <laughs> Actually, I, I, will say, I, 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 I will say in defense of Hive, um, if you look up on Board Game Geek, uh, people who have the Ameritrash uh, badge... And look what they've rated highly. Hive is actually one of the highest-rated uh, abstract games along Ameritrasher. So.
2: Yeah, I've heard it's very yeah. good. I, I wasn't really meaning just the <laughs> game. I just – just the tagline.
0: So, so continue, guest.
1: Well, it, it, What I was impressed about Hive was it was so easy to pick up. There's four or five basic moves that you need to remember, and the object is to surround the other player's uh, – Instead of it being a king, it's, it's a beat it's, it's it's a queen beat and it's fun. I mean, we cranked out probably four or five games in under two hours, so that's one of my, been my new pickups. Oh, I'm going through my list here. Besides Scape, Power Grid is another big one that I just love. Can't say enough about Power Grid. Yeah, Truth. I know you don't like the math skills behind
0: Power Grid. It's awesome. Power
2: Grid's a decent game. It's just yeah, it's just oh, it's math. all the
0: excitement of bartering for energy. It's uh, such. I just. I can't get enough <laughs> of that myself. Like, please, more coal. I can't get enough coal.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> These European games, it's like. I don't know. It's, it's a little bit too much like work on some of these things.
3: It's. I don't know. I think Infinity Max said it best. He said, you know, I'll play the little game where I grow the corn, whatever. But to be honest with you, if I'm not playing a game where there's a body count, I start to lose interest real fast. <laughs> that's exactly right. I, I tend to agree with that.
1: And, and you <laughs> what? And that's probably our target audience with Skate, but looking outside the box, the other two games I've been playing a lot has been Pandemic. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, Pandemic yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It got a lot of hype at uh, BoardGameGeek.com last November down there in the Dallas area. And Z-Man Games is who I believe distributes it. They rushed it to the <laughs> market. It's been in limited supply. What's different about this in pandemic, you're not playing against the other player. It's a cooperative game. You are playing against up to four viruses that are ravaging the world. And each player has a different... Uh, specialty, there's a a medic there's a researcher, there's a dispatcher, and they have their own special skill set, and you're playing as a team to eradicate these viruses before they run amok and kill all life on earth and the other one the one I I give two thumbs up to is Race for the Galaxy if you've played San Juan you're going to love Race for the Galaxy I can't say enough about this game And that's it.
2: That's why I've been playing. I can't say enough about this game. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy.
0: But I actually can. Um, 30 seconds and I'm done.
2: Actually, in fact, I've said enough.
0: Truth, what are you playing right now?
2: Well, we've been playing a lot of Last Night on Earth, which we'll get into more when we do our review uh, later in the show. But... We've, I've, I've finally gotten a chance to break open my Risk Black Ops. It was hard to get my game group to agree to play it when they're having so much fun with Last Night on Earth. But oh, you poor guys. Now that, we've, now that they've played it, I already knew the quality of it because I got a chance to play it a while back down in Massachusetts with a couple of friends. And now that the game group has played it, uh, they can't get enough of this now. Uh, it's just such a great game. I rated it a 10 out of 10. On Board Game Geeks. It is the perfect 10 game for me. It's like, it's got all that character that Risk had of massive armies marching through the world and organizing and yelling about, you know, uh, your airfield in the Middle East. And it's got all of that, only it packs it into a smaller time. And it's just, the mechanics are so much smoother. Getting those, it's based upon getting objectives, uh, earning objectives, which helps the gameplay move faster and it's it, it makes you take a broader look on the game uh, it's it's no longer just turtling and and a lot of the problems that i had before it is an amazing game and we can't get enough of it
0: i just like to take a moment to say that uh, g- guys who who don't have black ops are actually better in bed than those who do have it so just thought i'd throw that out there <laughs>
2: Well, well, those who don't have Black Ops, Black Ops is a precursor to the new Risk that's coming out. Yeah. Risk is, is getting an all new overhaul, and it's going to be the Black Ops mechanics. It's just going to be. Black Ops is just a unique uh, visual design to it.
0: Just a unique $400 design.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, you know, what the market <laughs> will bear, I guess. Friggin' eBay. Let me just say this. I I hope that somebody's listening who got a Black Ops and sold it on eBay. Uh, You did not deserve a copy of Black Ops. I mean, they made a 1,000 of these, and Hasbro individually picked people that they were going to send this game out to. People they knew. Right? This is something that, well, I I don't know that that's necessarily the case in all cases, but this is um, is a great honor to get one of a 1,000 copies, of a mass market risk game. I mean, that's huge. I hope they find out who you are and, and you never get any opportunity like this again.
1: Truth, you have a copy of Black Ops. And that's correct. I said, Doc, uh, do you own a copy of Black Ops?
3: I do indeed own a copy of Black Ops. I was very fortunate that a uh, friend who had connections helped me out.
1: Bistro, what do you think of your copy of Black Ops? <coughs>
0: I think, you're, I, think, I think you're all bastards. Uh, just going to put that out there. <laughs> wow. I, I don't want a copy of Black Ops. <laughs> you lie.
1: I sleep with mine under my pillow each night.
0: Yes. All right, I'm seething with jealousy. I confess it. So some people have sold off their copy
2: of Black Ops on eBay, and this was a great honor for us to get a copy. That's something that I'll never sell. That's something that's a prize in my collection.
0: Agreed. Yeah, there is a, a prominent reviewer, um, someone who gets a lot of free stuff sent to them, um, and they've uh, had a little bit of heat recently because they – well, not even recently, um, because people have you know questioned their integrity. Are you really reviewing games? Or are you just throwing out general statements that could fit to anything? And um, that person, um, use, using their own name, actually sold their copy on eBay for about four hundred dollars. open copy, you and know, he didn't d- even review it. Didn't even review it, and you, you've got to wonder, you know, is is you know, Hasbro sent you that game because you've supposedly made a name for yourself? They want you to play it. Uh, they're going to hook you up, and you just need to, you know, give what your thoughts are, and you know, uh, which is the, what the whole review process is supposed to be. And they didn't even bother. And you know, if you if you think that kind of thing doesn't go unnoticed, well you're wrong.
2: I really think that that is a problem uh, throughout our hobby. Game reviewers who don't have an opinion. Game reviewers that give this gray middle of the road thoughts on everything that they receive with no real real opinion on stuff and I believe it's so that they'll continue to be sent games by everybody so that you know uh, because you know people are sending you a game, they they're expecting a good review. I don't know that's not the way it is in any other industry uh, where reviews are given. So I don't think it should be that way in our industry. Uh, for me personally, I'll never get on here and say um, good things. That I'll never get on here and give you a drab review I'm going to have an opinion and I'm going to express it whether it's positive or negative
0: I however am completely for sale Um, so if you (laughs) send an email to scapetalk at gmail.com I can send you a price list Uh, at the very top of the list I'll actually tattoo the name of your game across my forehead (laughs) so just throwing that out there so uh, let's see Ninth
3: Doc, what are you playing right now? Oh, I've got a list I was drawing up. Let's see. We've been playing a lot of Mag Blast, the Fantasy Flight non-collectible card game. Uh, very simple. I actually discovered it about oh, a month or two ago. Uh, simple enough, my eight-year-old and I sit down and play it, and he's pretty much able to navigate it all on his own. Good good game. Um, every Friday night, he and I go play Heroclix, which, eh, it's, it's something to do on Friday night. Of course, my all-time favorite game being Heroscape um have gotten to get a at least one game of Black Ops in. I've been trying to schedule another one one of the ones that uh, is getting harder to find right now that we've we've played a uh, couple of times that uh, I've enjoyed is Bootleggers the uh, eagle games where you're a uh, gen runner in the in during the uh, what's the word I'm looking for here sorry I'm gone uh, Prohibition on. thank you Prohibition yes Prohibition you're a gen runner during Prohibition great great mechanics in that game lots of fun and last Sunday, for the very first time, I played uh, the old Avalon Hill Queen's Gambit, the Star Wars-themed game, with uh, my son. Again, he's eight, and he was able to, once I showed him the basics, he was able to navigate that mostly on his own. I did have to help him with a couple of the cards, but that was great fun. Uh, really hard-to-find game, but lots and lots of fun. It was kind of like combining Battle lore and Heroescape together.
2: Bistro, what have you been playing? Well, uh, let's
3: see. Um, not Black Ops.
0: Um, <laughs> right now, uh, there's been a little HeroScape. I've been able to play a little bit more What with the uh, new stats coming out. can uh, play, uh can proxy stuff in, which has been nice. Uh, one miniature game I've been playing a whole lot of recently is called Song of Blades and Heroes. It's a generic uh, rule set Let's you use any fantasy miniatures uh, of any scale. You can use regular miniatures terrain or hex maps like HeroScape terrain. You mean you can use... 55 millimeter? Um. Well, you, you can. <laughs> it, it, it can scale up or down. You can't blend the scales together, of course. Um, but you can use whatever scale you got in right. your collection. Um, it, it's a great little system. It's very simple. Basically, um, each model has two stats. Quality, which uh, uh, judges a unit's ability to do stuff or make morale checks, cast spells, things like that. And combat, which shows how good it is in combat. But to differentiate these units even more, there's this huge list of special abilities, um, which helps just makes tweaks models just a little bit to make them stand out from every other unit type. So you can have a small warband of elves fighting off some orcs. Uh, The rules are so simple. They're so simple to play. After playing it once, I stopped ever using the rulebook. It's that simple. And... um, it's fantastic. I can't uh, recommend it enough. It's uh, you can get a, I think it's a four dollar download online. You can go to some place like War Game Downloads. Um, so it's a good buy. Um, you can check it out at Board Game Geek. See my review there if you want to hear more. Um, but I, I'm really into that game right now. Uh, also, been playing Last Night on Earth. I just infected a new group of people with that game. Um, my D and D group, and they've been having a blast with it. It's it's highly in demand. Uh, and let's see, and 4th uh, Edition Talisman. Lately I've been playing that uh, quite a bit too. That's a, a classic game and one that I like to pop out whenever I can. So that's about it for me, though.
1: And you know what? I need to drop off here. I'm getting a sign from the wife. I need to take over the uh, 1030 feeding here on the
0: newborn. Rama thank you very much for joining us on the show. We appreciate hearing your views. Thanks, guys. Bye, bye, bye hon. Later, bye. hon. Later, guys. All right. Uh, we'd like to do our game review for this particular session. We've, you've heard us talk about Last Night on Earth before uh, in the sense that you've seen discussion on Heroescapers.com. You saw Truth pop something up on it uh, around Christmas time on the website. Uh, we really want to talk about the game. We've been wanting to review it mainly because its expansion... The Growing Hunger recently came out, and we would like to the chance to review that with you as well. So this episode, we're going to review Last Night on Earth, uh, talk about what we think about it, and we'll let our guests chime in as well. Uh, the idea behind Last Night on Earth is it's trying to simulate the fun and craziness of a zombie movie. Uh, the game takes place in a small town, which uh, when night falls, is suddenly finds itself the target of a zombie outbreak. Uh, You've got some players who will be playing the role of heroes, and these are townsfolk who are going to try and stand up uh, against the zombies and escape or uh, complete some of the goal. And you've got the zombie player whose goal is merely to eat everyone uh, who they can. Uh, Basically, how the game works is you've got the heroes uh, who will be running around the town. There's a lot of different scenarios you can play. Um, Some scenarios might have you get gas and keys to a truck and get the heck out of town. Other scenarios might have you hole up in a house or simply kill as many zombies as you can. Um, The heroes, in order to accomplish their goals, just like in the movies, need lots of stuff. So they're going to be running all over town, uh, breaking into buildings, scavenging whatever weapons they can find. Sometimes you get a welding torch. Sometimes it's a baseball bat. Sometimes it's a beautiful, beautiful chainsaw. So the the heroes arm themselves, try and find stuff, and then just try and get together and stay alive. The zombie player uh, gets to hunt all the heroes down. Their goal is usually pretty simple and kill as many heroes as they can. Uh, The zombies are pretty nasty. Um, They're pretty much what you would expect. They're very slow moving, but nothing stops them. Uh, If you go in a house, they can come through windows up under floorboards. They will always find you. And the zombie player has a host uh, of nasty cards that they can play. The zombie cards are interesting. They basically allow you to simulate bad situations that occur in horror movies. So the lights may go out in the building. Um, one uh, player may kill a zombie with a gun, but he has to use all of his ammo to do it. Uh, It might start to rain. Someone might get bitten, and they might start to change. All sorts of different things can happen. So overall, uh, this game is quite interesting. It's light, it's um, very random, and it's a lot of fun. If you enjoy mechanics that involve dice rolling, uh, mechanics that involve playing, drawing, and playing cards, you'll feel right at home. If random situations make you itch, then you'll want to stay away from this one. But the mechanics of this game are very solid. You've got lots and lots of different components. Uh, The cards represent lots of different situations, lots of different items, and they all come together beautifully, which is a really well-balanced game um, with a lot of flexibility to it and a lot of replay value as well. Uh, I recommend this game very highly. It's one that I have played so, so many times since I purchased it. It's probably had the most time on my game's table um, since anything else, since last August. Ninth Duck, I know you've been playing uh, Last Night on Earth. Tell us uh, what your thoughts are on it.
3: I absolutely love it. It's my second favorite game. I Understanding I'm not a huge zombie movie fan, I, I grew up in the the late 80s and early 90s so i'm staunchly in the vampire crowd but um somebody prior to going to gen con last year people were just talking about oh the new zombie game oh the new zombie game whatever it's a zombie game you know i played the twilight creations game wasn't that into it and then i sat down and played this uh at the ram the first night when we were at gen con and i was like oh my god i'm getting this game tomorrow it absolutely rocks i've loved it um, I've not sat down and played this game yet where that you could not rec- recount exactly what happened as if you were talking about a movie. It plays out very much like a movie. It recreates everything that you could imagine in a horror film, right down to characters uh, fooling around when they shouldn't be. So, I absolutely love this game. I highly recommend it also. I have not got to play the expansion yet, and I'm just beating my head up against a wall waiting for the time I get the chance to do that. I, hopefully that'll be real soon, but Love it, love it, love it. Second favorite game that's going on right now. Truth, what are your
0: thoughts on Last Night
3: on Earth?
2: It's an amazing game and and as you mentioned, the reason why it's so good is because of its variety. They include so much, so many situations that can happen that you just end up with a cool story every time you play it. It's it's uh it's something that you reminisce upon finally. Hey, remember when We were all in the hospital and you soaked the hospital with gasoline. And then I was going to light my torch and have you run out of the building. But then the zombie played the locked door card and we were all stuck in the building and it blew sky high and we all died and all the zombies died. It it just creates stories like that that are just a ton of fun to talk about and and play out. The new expansion, uh, Growing Hunger, uh, is just recently released uh, to much acclaim and and what it does is it just adds more of those situations more heroes that you can play with and they're all the typical zombie Uh, type heroes it's just
0: great fun and not only does it have so much variety to it but it's really easy to play everything pretty much functions the way you'd expect it to and i've had so much luck introducing this game to people who consider themselves to be non-gamers and they've had a blast it's just it's so much fun once you get started it's a game you just can't put down colby what would you rate this game out of 10
2: I, I give it a 10 out of 10.
0: Yeah, I think I gave it a 9 out of 10, and I would definitely say it's one of my favorite all-time games at uh, at this time. Doc, what would you give it? You know... Well, you've said it's your second favorite oh, game. Oh,
3: second only to HeroScape, but i got to say, if I was rating it, if I could go to 11, I would. But, you know, we'll just go with 10. <laughs> All right. You don't actually go to 11. It's it's just there. One more. <laughs> so you get points for... Uh, for making a Spinal Tap quote. Thank you very much.
0: Let's turn to the Scape Talk mailbox. Our last podcast, we gave you guys our email address and asked you to email in to us. Um, I would like to make a couple notes. <laughs> um, you know, one thing we mentioned when we revealed that uh, Colby was, in fact, a playtester for HeroScape, one of the things we said was, you know, please don't request to be a playtester yourself. That's not quite the way it works. Yet, uh, lo and behold, when I went to check the Scape Talk mailbox, I had plenty of requests for people to be playtesters. So just a reminder, uh, you can request, but I'm not going to be able to help you, nor will I respond to those particular emails. So just keep that in mind. All right, our first email is from heroscape It says, Hey, Screaming Truth, Mr. Bistro. I think you guys should have a regular tournament director on the show. I'm not quite sure of who, because it's about a 10-hour drive from North Iowa to... Uh, southern minnesota if jormy or codeman can make it to fremont i'm sure they'd be happy to be on that's just for tournament directors um well we appreciate the email i'm not quite sure what you mean by tournament director Uh, you could be talking about people who run their own tournaments or maybe someone who runs all tournaments but really the way this thing kind of works right now is people like to keep it casual so we really don't want to have any one person in charge of them all and as awesome as Jormi and Codeman are, I'm sure they don't want to uh, have the terrible responsibility of running everybody's tournaments. Um, you'll hear more from us, of course, about tournaments as tournaments are going on. Right now, we've got a huge explosion of tournaments thanks to interest in all the new stuff that's coming out soon. Um, HeroScape Elfie says, P.S. If you ever need a resident noob from HeroScapers and you'd pay my parents for gas, I'd also be on the show. Um... <laughs> uh let
2: me let me explain about the wonder of technology (laughs) we actually don't have uh, everybody drive to ohio a little thing called the internet helps aid us in uh, recording over a distance we all log on to a a conference chat and record the
0: chat yeah truth is in ohio but i am in uh, virginia Uh, ninth docks in texas and hanarama's in indiana Um, as much as we like talking to each other I don't think any of us would hop into a car and drive just for a quick, uh, a quick chat. So, no worries. Your parents aren't going to have to spend all that money on gas, and we certainly can't afford to reimburse them. So, uh, please don't make the trek out, but we appreciate the offer nonetheless. <laughs> Alright, our next uh, letter comes from Andrew McKenna. He says, I was just wondering why there's been so little news from Wizards of the Coast and Hero Scapers regarding Marvel Scape. Is Wizards of the Coast going to support it? I think HeroScaper should do more to promote the game and increase the fan base. Uh, thanks, Drew. We appreciate the email. Um, Wizards of the Coast did say once in the official uh, Wizards of the Coast thread that they did plan on containing MarvelScape, but we really haven't heard anything else. Uh, we certainly support MarvelScape in the sense that we've enjoyed playing it, but with uh, only 10 characters, there's really only so much we can do. Uh, we've put up threads on the uh, the main page, Truth Has. Uh, we've certainly supported articles about it. But with only 10 figures, there's only so much conjecture, thought, and strategy that people can really work on. There's great work going on in the customs community to make uh, new customs figures. Some of them are quite good. But until something new comes out, there's not much that we ourselves can actually do to support it.
2: You also have to look at our visitorship. We, we need to please our visitorship, and a majority of them are there for the core game. And as Marblescape grows, the more time and attention we'll be able to give to it.
0: Yep. Our next letter is from Brian Blake. Uh, He says, just had a question if you played the board game Zombies. If so, what do you think of it? Thanks. Uh, I have played it myself, and um, when I first got it, uh, set it up, played a few games, had some fun with it, and then I put it away and never played it again. Um, the basic idea is fine, the mechanics certainly aren't broken, but I found that there was very little thinking in the game, uh, just sort of a a run and gun kind of game, just hope you find the helicopter, and while the mechanics for the zombies worked fine enough, I didn't like that the players were competing against each other, um, Yeah, I enjoy games where you're trying to to sort of, you know, um, put one over on the other guy. But it just didn't fit the theme of the game. These people should be working together. It makes more sense. Yet, for some reason, only one of them can fly the helicopter out of there. Uh, So, I wasn't big on it. And now that we have Last Night on Earth, frankly, I don't need anything else. Um, Truth, Ninth Doc, either of you guys played the game?
2: Yeah, I've played it. If If you're wanting a good zombie experience, definitely get Last Night on Earth. Uh, zombies it just it didn't simulate the theme well enough for me we had some fun with the with the screw you mechanics at first um but especially as you get more players i mean it says it supports six but if you get six players playing it's extremely slow it's like six players solitaire. here you, there's not a lot of interaction except for it to once in a while lay a card that screws them over uh it, for some reason the helicopter only holds one person you know it's if I was really as diametrically opposed uh, to my fellow humans as the game mechanics suggest that I am, I don't know why I just don't use that little shotgun I'm holding on my scalp to blow your face off.
3: Yeah, I've played it as well, and it, it didn't hold my interest near as much as, as Last Night on Earth does. And you know, I know there's some variations of it. They have Zombie Town and what's oh, a of Horror. None of those just really have any great appeal to me. I, I'm, you know, I've, I've I I didn't really look that close to zombie town or Mall of Horror, but I, I did I have zombies, I have medieval. They just don't do it for me, you know, not not like the others do. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh thank you for the uh the letter, Brian. Our last letter comes from uh Shades fan. And he says uh Dear Truth of Mr Bistro, thank you for the podcast. Great job on it. Love the new format. Uh, I want to know if any of the newer units scare you at all. I mean, how the unit stats are, along with how they look, how they bond, how the units seem like they would be on the battlefield. Personally, I'm afraid of the spiders. They don't have the bad of the stats, and they have many different bonding capabilities. They scare me a lot. Um, well, first of all, Shades fan, um, I believe the spiders only bond with uh, currently with Sujoa, who's the only um, who's the giant. Mosquito scorpion thing, big fly guy. Uh, I believe that's the only guy who they're bonding with so far. They do have decent stats, but they seem—I uh, haven't looked at the card recently, but I, I remember thinking they were very reasonable for what they offer.
2: They're—they're they're a lot of fun to play, but uh, scary. I don't know that I'm s- scared of anything. You know, I—I uh, know what you're saying. You know, are you afraid that anything is too powerful and going to show up like, on your opponent's side and be tough to be and Really, I don't, I don't think so. I think as we continue to uh, grow HeroScape, we continue to learn from what's out so far. The, the greater the HeroScape grows, the more knowledge we obtain, uh, the better understanding we get of how to cost these things appropriately, and I, I think that's starting to shine through uh, more and more. I think we're getting more and more fair and balanced units from every wave consistently.
0: All right. Well, thank you for all the emails. Remember, please email us at scapetalk at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. would love to read your comments on the air. If you hear us talking about a game and you've got thoughts about it, share it with us. If you think we said something that's absolutely wrong, definitely let us know and we'll be happy to talk about it. Uh, we also have a new feature. We have the Scape Talk voicemail box. Uh, and actually, uh, peering into the mailbox, it looks like we've got our first voicemail, and it's from none other than Rev Dyer. Um, Rev Dyer had had some thoughts about uh, com's independence. You know, with Truth being in a... Um, someone who does some freelance work for Wizards of the Coast, can heroescapers.com still maintain an independent voice? And he thought he would share some thoughts with us.
2: He presented some concerns uh, about heroscapers maintaining an independent voice uh, and, and not being the company line. And uh, when he expressed his concerns, when somebody like Rev Dyer, as, as appreciated, as respected in the community as he is, um, and is respected by all of us, uh, on the show right now, as he is, when he has some concerns, I definitely uh you know wanna address those. And so what I did was I invited him to be on the podcast uh for, for the very reason of addressing those um those concerns so we could have an open discussion about it. Uh, and unfortunately, we tried having him on the cast and his his computer, uh, as we mentioned before held him back from from being on the podcast. So what we're doing is we're introducing this new feature called Scape Talk Voicemail, and what you can do is you can call a phone number. It's 419-830-0707, and you'll hear uh, my voice answering you, answer the number and request that you leave a voicemail. I'm sorry. What? That's, that's
0: that's very technologically advanced. They call a phone number and get a. And they're going to hear your voice. <laughs> yes.
2: Okay. Okay. Let me rephrase that. It's
0: like you're living the future
3: today. <laughs> they- wow.
2: <laughs> so you you can call this number. You can call this number and you can leave a voicemail, and give us your thoughts and feelings. And if we like it, if if you've if you've done a good job with it, uh, we'll play it back on the air. And since Rev had some technical problems, we had him be our first voicemail call-in, and and this is what Rev had to say.
4: This is Dave, usually Rev Dyer on heroescapers.com. I'm sorry that for technical reasons I can't be part of this month's podcast, so I am literally phoning this in to the Heroescapers podcast voicemail. When the disclosure came that Colby, Truth, was now a playtester for the Wizards of the Coast... I was personally somewhat worried about whether HeroScapers.com would be able to maintain an independent voice concerning our game, HeroScape. I watched the board carefully, and am now quite convinced that it can, and there is no obvious conflict of interest between the two. I am glad that Wizards is giving feedback and information to the site, and that we can also know that our thoughts are being seriously received by the people at the Wizards of the Coast, whether they are positive or critical. It has surprised me over the past few years how much I've come to value this game and this community. Many of us have a vested interest in the game, not just as a recreation, not just because we've bought a lot of stuff, but as an ongoing community of friends. It's been a privilege for me to be part of both and I look forward to continuing that relationship into the future. So, peace to you all. Rev. Bye bye.
2: So, what do you I mean, what do you guys think uh Rev had some concerns, but now he, he kind of called in and uh, and and said, well, he's not as concerned as he was. Uh, I and mean, what do you guys think about HeroScavers and its independent voice?
3: I don't think there was ever any danger of losing its independent voice. Um, I've known you online, what, three years now? Um, never would it have occurred to me that, that you'd be anything but uh, upfront about what you uh, your feelings about things um past that um i'm pleased that we have somebody in our community and you know definitely a leader of our community since you own the website uh that is there to be the fans voice you know because sometimes uh well you know the fans are who ultimately purchases the product that's put out and uh you know we definitely want to see what we want in the game and you're right there on the website every day and you're the person that would be our voice to the company that produces our favorite game.
0: Yeah, and this kind of relationship isn't unique. Uh, The big board game companies, big miniature game companies, they're used to interacting with people this level. It seems strange to us because we've we've been, uh, been with Hasbro for so long and we've had... Um, this odd relationship where they can't really talk to us. So now it seems different. But lots of game companies interact with their fans, give fans stuff, solicit feedback from fans, and don't necessarily expect those fans just to shut up and be quiet. You know, they are going to expect... A certain amount of complaining when things don't go right. So um, it does seem odd for HeroScape because this is new to us. But really, this kind of thing's been around in the industry for a while. So I personally don't have any concerns about it.
2: HeroScapers exists uh, for for the purpose of a- advancing the game because that's what we all want. We want our game to stick around. We want them to continue to produce stuff for our game, and we're huge fans of the game. And and you know we have a lot of good to say about the game. So really there's not a whole lot of conflict of interest there. You know, on both ends, I want to hear, see HeroScape do well. And beyond that, HeroScape is first and foremost a community site. And everybody who's on there has a voice. You can speak up your dissenting opinion, and that will be, uh, you know, viewed by anybody who comes along. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I am not a- alone responsible for the content of, heroescapers.com as a community we are all responsible for the content of heroescapers.com Very well put. So, if you've got thoughts or concerns or questions, and you would like to be uh, have a guest spot on the show, you can call our voicemail again at four one nine eight three zero zero seven zero seven, and you can leave a message. Just try to have your thoughts uh, together before you call. Um, as you could tell by Rev, he he knew what he wanted to say when he called and expressed himself very well. Uh, and we appreciate that you keep it short and
0: concise. Well, we've come to the end of this podcast. I'd like to thank you for sticking around with us. I'd like to thank our guests. Uh, Thanks to Ninth Doc for making his first appearance on the show. We appreciate having you. It's nice to have someone on who can uh, talk games with us. We'd also like to thank Hanorama for uh, showing up and giving us uh, his thoughts and giving us some of his uh, juicy tidbits there. We appreciate it. So until next time, this is Mr. Bistro. And this is Screaming Truth. And mommy lied. There's no such thing as doggy heaven. Uh, the first email I'm going to read is from HeroScape Elfie, which is a ridiculous. Name. <laughs> you can you can cut that part out, but my lord, that's a gay name. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: Seriously, that's
3: Dan. It's like this kid's. <laughs> that's Dan. He says
0: that, that kid said like, "How can I choose the gayest name possible?" He said, "Oh, here's name
3: <laughs> Damn, Panorama was already taken.
2: <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I wanted to make this a clean podcast, right? But it it just wouldn't it just it'll lose all of its humor if I do going to i gonna, you gotta, I'm gonna you gotta put gotta a warning the, on the podcast.
0: You gotta cut out that part at least. You can't you can't include me making fun of a kid's name.
3: Just just, so that, and, just oh no, I can. <laughs> I just just send that clip to, clip to Hans so we will get to hear it. No, truth, truth.
0: Actually, you can't because we already know his parents are willing to drive ten hours. Go ahead and read the email. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, So, uh, the first email is from uh, (laughs) HeroSkate.